Hey, I'm Kevin Moore, and this is the Creative Sheep Podcast. Hello and welcome once again to the Creative Sheep Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. Folks, my name is Jared Hogue and I'm joined with my best friend, Roman Johnson, Let's everybody. just say it. We're best friends. We are best friends. Best buds. We've known each other for probably a good decade now. Yeah, definitely. It's Working been a while. side by side, business partners, friends, confidant. Now our our kids are going to be friends. Yeah, our, our my son is... It's like the same age as your son. Yeah, born just months a few apart. months apart. It's very exciting stuff. It is very exciting stuff. Uh, Second the, generation friends. Yeah, today in the studio, we have some uh, some pouring rain happening yeah. outside. I love the rain. I'm with you. Love it's, storms. It's so awesome. I love when it's night and I'm like sleeping and crack the window a bit. Hear the rain yeah. just trickling down on the windowsill. And it's real cool outside. Oh, Cri- crisp air. Crisp, yes. Crisp air. Very exciting. My favorite, though, is a good snowstorm. Love a good snowstorm. Unfortunately, this podcast is not about the weather, though. Not, not at all. <laughs> in fact, uh, folks, this this podcast is actually brought to you by CreativeSheep.org. Roman, what might one find at CreativeSheep.org? Let's say I'm a let's say I'm a, I'm a church. I work at a church. I'm not a church. Well, I work yeah. at a church. I am uh, maybe I'm, try, I'm coming up with like something to do in our service. I need like a countdown or some creative element for uh, a, a big event I got coming up, or maybe just a weekend. Yeah, I can go to CreativeSheep.org. And I can look around. We've got tons of stuff to choose from. You can, uh, we've we pre-made it. You can download it and use it in your service this weekend. Illustrations, countdowns, believe it. Uh, series packs, Come on. You, you name it. Get out to creativesheep.org. We've got you covered for all your premium media needs. That's right. Over at creativesheep.org. Org. Check it out. Folks, this is episode 40. Whoa. I am so pumped. You just got real excited. I did. Probably a little too much, actually. <laughs> probably. Uh, so if I hurt your ears, if you're listening to this in your earbuds, I'm sorry. Uh, but I'm real pumped. This is episode 40. The 40 anniversary. Coming up, 10 more episodes, Roman, and we're at, at episode 50. I better write that rap. Good job on the math. <laughs> I know. We're going to be unveiling a rap to go with that anthem that plays at the beginning of our show. i put that on my to-do list. On episode 50. Uh, and folks, I could be be, not be more happy with our guest here for episode 40. We've got Pastor Kevin Moore. Yes. Uh, Roman, we both actually got to work with him. Yes, I uh, about worked for five, him. Five years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was in the college ministry at the time. And he was also my youth pastor. That is crazy. Yeah, that is, crazy. is so crazy. Um, but uh, he has since moved on. He's, he was in youth ministry for 20 some odd years. Uh, within the past three years, has planted a church out in Visalia, California, mm-hmm. um, and is doing a phenomenal job. And so today we're actually talking about, as I'm sure you saw on iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to this, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of church planting. You might, it's, it's not all uh, butterflies and rainbows, as you might think. It's not all glamorous. Yeah, it can be very, very difficult. And so we get into a lot of that. Uh, He's very transparent, uh, very vulnerable in this episode and just lays it out for us and gives some very hopeful things, though, things, very practical, pragmatic things that you can do if you are a church planter thinking about church planting um, or just work in ministry, because let's be honest here, no matter what you do, it's going to have some ups and downs. And he gives some great advice for that. And one thing he did not talk about in the interview, but I want to make sure to plug this right now is, like I said, he's got a couple decades of youth ministry 
ministry experience. And he has created something called Youth Ministry University. Um, And it is training specifically for youth pastors and people that work in youth ministry. Um, And so head over, if you go to his website, he'll talk about the website. It's growmore.com, G-R-O-W-M-O-O-R-E. And then if you add Y-M-U on there, .com, so growmore, Y-M-U, standing for Youth Ministry University, .com, uh, it'll take you to the site to tell you more about it and how you can enroll. And and, uh, it's so affordable, you're silly not to do it. I'm sorry I just called you silly, because that's just ridiculous. Jared, that's very offensive. It is, it is. But go check that out. I love uh, Pastor Kevin's heart. Having worked with him in the past, he genuinely loves people, loves students, loves kids, just loves people. That's kind of what this whole church thing's all about. <laughs> right. Love God, and love le- people. Leadership in general, actually. Exactly. Uh, and so make sure to go check that out. Uh, so many good things we're going to talk about. I don't even want to give any of it away, but I loved this interview with Pastor Kevin Moore. So Roman, without further ado, episode 40, ladies and gentlemen, with Pastor Kevin Moore. Well, Pastor Kevin, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, Jared. I really, man, I really appreciate it, bud. Absolutely. Well, hey, let's uh, let's let's kind of dive back in and how you got started in ministry and where you wound up. I know you've 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 been across the country actually, starting in Indiana, coming through Oklahoma, and now out in California. Um, why, why don't you give everybody just kind of a snapshot of of the the road you traveled to get where you are today? Yeah, uh, my dad's a pastor. Uh, he was a pastor for thirty years. He just retired, and in uh, I believe it was nineteen ninety two, I was just volunteering as a volunteer youth pastor at the volunteer at our church. And, uh, my dad came up and said, Hey, Kevin, our, our volunteer youth pastor is leaving. You want to uh, be the youth guy? And I was like, well, I don't know about being the youth guy, but I'll, I'll, I'll teach next week. And so, uh, out of, out of a need for our, our church to need somebody to teach, I taught one week and then two weeks and then three weeks. And the next thing you know, I, you know, Hey, here's an office for you. And Hey, we don't, we're not paying you any money, but you're the youth pastor. And, I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with youth ministry and everything about it. So I uh, served with my dad for a little while as a volunteer. And then, then we actually moved to a new town. And whenever we moved to a new town, you know, we just tried to sit back and relax and not serve. And then I just couldn't do it. So we met with our pastor. His name was Bill Parks, wonderful man. and said, hey, can we, man, can I mow yard? Can I clean the toilets? What, 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 I just want to serve. And he said, man, I'm, I'm thinking... I got something different for you. And he talked to us about being the volunteer youth guy. And uh, so we became volunteer youth pastors there until uh, 2000 when Trinity Assembly brought us full time. And and it was at that point at Trinity where uh, we went and actually visited Church on the Move and went to a, a pastor's day that Pastor George used to do and found all about 180. And we started to implement those principles, the 180 principles in Tulsa. In fact, we learned in Tulsa there in, in our small town in, in uh, Ligonier, Indiana. And man, the ministry just exploded. I mean, the youth group went from like seriously 15 kids to 240 kids, 500 gave the heart to wow. Jesus. Uh, I had like a hundred graduate from our discipleship program, turn life. And wow. It was awesome. And at the peak of it, God moved us to, to Madison, Indiana, where we actually became a 180 gold affiliate back in the day when they were doing the <laughs> affiliation. And, um, and at the peak of that, I started to feel a stirring and it just so happened that I had a phone call with one of the pastors at church on the move. And, uh, I said, man, you know, if anybody's ever, ever looking for a position, I, I've already talked to my senior pastor and I know there's a transition coming at some point. And the pastor there at church on the move said, Hey, funny, you say that we've been talking about you and then, uh, wow. coming to church on the move. And so then pastor George, um, and wit, you know, brought my wife and I, Veronica down to Tulsa. We interviewed and, 
uh, I guess I tricked him into thinking I was good enough to be the youth guy at 180. <laughs> so uh, I was a youth pastor for six years there at Church on the Move, and it was incredible. And um, loved it, loved it. And then God called us to California, and, and now we're uh, uh, pastoring and planting church. So that's awesome. That's about 25, 26 years in, <laughs> in one in one fell swoop there. I was going to say, wrapped up in about uh, 60 to 90 seconds right there. Um, <laughs> I, I love though, just to jump back on one thing you said right there, um, we, you kind of just breezed over it cause I'm sure you've told your story thousands of times at this point, but, uh, you said that you learned the principles from what the, the 180 principles went back to Ligonier, Indiana and applied them. And if you would tell the, throw those numbers out there again, your youth group was doing what before the, the principles were implemented and then after. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, number one, the church was only 150 people, and we didn't have two nickels to rub together. And, I, and I'm not exaggerating about that. We didn't have any money. But um, the town was only 4,000. And we went down to Church on the Move and started to learn, you know, about what, the, the way that I viewed it was was offering a bait, a physical bait, presenting the hook of the gospel, and then reeling, reeling young people into the kingdom through a discipleship program. And so we started to implement those things. And the youth group, we had about 15 kids in the youth group and two volunteers. That was my wife and I. And so we started to implement, you know, those three big principles. And the youth ministry went from 15 to 60 on our opening night. We stayed at about 60 for a few months. Then it jumped up to 100. And then uh, within within two years, uh, we were at 240 a week. And that's a, a, a service. And that's not evangelistically speaking or counting, you know, teenage pregnant girls twice. That's just, <laughs> you know, two, 240 kids every week and uh, 500 kids gave their heart to Jesus. And it was, it was really cool. It, it, it was a really, really great season at, uh, uh, there at uh, Trinity Assembly. Man, that's incredible. Uh, so now today though, you, you, like you said, you're out in California, you planted a church out there. How long, how long has it been now since you planted the church? Um, uh, September 15th, it'll be three years. We, we planted, I believe it was September 15th of uh, 2013. That was our, you know, you know how church planners are. That's the soft launch date. And yeah. what we found out is, is once we launched, once we started doing services, the people coming, they didn't care. You can call it soft launch. You can call it hard launch. You can call it what you want. They just, man, my family needs help. Can you help me? You know, yeah. can you tell me about Jesus? And so we just, we scrapped the soft launch stuff and just, we started, you know, we're, we we started, so it's been three years, just just under three years right now. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and you know, I know you talk you talk a lot that your you feel like your mission is to plant churches, train leaders, and send shepherds out to plant churches. Is this just something yeah. that God placed inside you? Is this something you discovered over time? Why why is this the draw for you in ministry? You know, it's interesting. You know, I, I think it's I, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I'm a firm believer in, you know, the story of, of, of Joseph, that everything Joseph went through in his life, good and bad, um, made him into the young man and the adult that he needed to be to to be number two in, in, in all of Egypt. And I look at my life and I look back at all the pastors that I've known and all the people that I've served alongside of. And I know that it, it's been a journey for me to get to where God could speak to my heart and I was ready to do what he said I, he wanted me to do. So I think it's a combination of years of learning and growing. But then honestly, one time I was in on an airplane with my wife, we were coming back from Indiana and uh, I had my notebook out, which I always do on the airplanes. And I started to write and I just, man, what if there was a church like this? What if there was a church like that? What if there was a church like this? All these different details of what a church could look like. And, 
at the end of it, I just wrote, what if I pastored this church? And man, when I wrote it, it shocked me because I wasn't really expecting it. And then I started to talk to my wife and then I went back to my notebook. And as I did, I know it sounds crazy and, and things, but I, I'm not the kind of guy that hears God all the time. And I know his voice though. And, and I heard him speak to me. Um, Kevin, I want you to spend the rest of your life launching churches, training leaders, sending shepherds. And even right now, I don't know for sure what all that looks like, but I've, I've, I've said yes to the concept that this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And so we, we reached out and we began that process of, of um, planting here in, in Visalia. That's incredible. And, and just to kind of jump in on that right there, you, you said you had the notebook out and you were writing on this flight. You said that's something you do on the normal, correct? Yeah, all the time. Okay. Yeah. And so is that, just, yeah. is that just your personal journaling? Is that what that is? Yeah, I call them my dream books. Okay. Uh, I've got, you know, I've got so many of them through the years, but I always have a journal with me. And um, when I'm on a flight or when I'm out traveling, speaking, and then also in my daily time, I just always have my journal with me. And when I'm reading scriptures or if something comes to my mind, I write stuff down. And honestly, probably 75%, 80% of the stuff that's in those dream books, I mean, it's probably more pizza than God, you know, but it's... Uh, <laughs> It's just it's just ideas that I get, and, and I want to chronicle them for myself to go back and see what God's been doing along the journey. And, uh, it, you know, for me, I'm a big believer, and you got to be faithful in what God's given you. And I think, why would God give me any new—why would God give me new ideas if I haven't been faithful with the ideas He's already given me? Man, and so when He gives me when he, when he gives me an idea, I want to write it down and then, then begin to think through, okay, could I, should I, will I? But I, I at least want to be faithful— with the idea that, that he gave me. So that's why I always, 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 and I'm old school. I do a, a notebook and a pen. And um, so, yeah, I always have that, but especially on airplanes. I think it's because you're 33,000 feet up. I'm a little closer to God. <laughs> more, more clearly up there. Yeah. So, and, and remind me again, time-wise, how, how long ago was this when you were on the airplane jotting down the, the what if there was a church like this and what if I pastored the church? How long ago yeah, was yeah. that? Well, we planted the church three years ago, so it would have been uh, four, just a little over four, probably, yeah, probably a little over four years ago now. Okay, so four years ago, and and if you don't mind me asking, how old would you have been yeah. at that time? I was 41. Okay, so 41. Yeah, I was 41. I'm 45 now. I really want to jump on, th this wasn't even a part of the notes, this wasn't a plan to talk about this, but I I'm fascinated by this, and as a young leader, yeah. um, I, I, think it's, I think it's amazing that, it, that oftentimes uh, people, people tend to think that, that a high school graduate or college graduate, that they need to have their life charted out and planned when they graduate high school or when they graduate college. So 18, 21, 22, we've got to have the, the, the plan, the master plan, the five-year plan, the 10-year plan, whatever the plan, it, we, we've got to have it because we need to know what we're going to do with the rest of our life. And I'm fascinated by the yeah. fact that at 41, you're, you're beginning to see uh, the, the grand plan that God has for you for the rest of your life. And even four years later, you jumped in and said, I still don't even know exactly what this looks like yet. If you don't yeah. mind talking about that for just a second and kind of your thoughts and feelings yeah. on that. Well, I think, well, I, I think that what you were talking about is one of the big mistakes that young people make is that I'm going to wait and do nothing until I figure out what the big thing is. One of the big theories of my life, I think I found it in a book uh, one time, is, is that the, the next big thing is the thing you have right now. 
just just put your head down and start. It, it, it's easier to move an object that's already moving, turn the right or left an object that's already moving than one that's sitting still. And so my philosophy has always been is, God, what would you have me do? And, and things come in front of me. It's not that I do everything, but things come in front of me. And okay, this is a beneficial to the kingdom. It's, it's an important thing to do. I can do it. I'm here. Let's roll. And so I just started. I, I've never had a, you know, God rode in the clouds or I have had the Lord speak to me for, for sure. But those are few and far between. Most of the times I've gotten my assignments is my dad coming in and saying, hey, Kevin, can you help? Or, or well, you know, we, we started a 180 junior high ministry whenever I was with Pastor George. And that wasn't some great big grand idea that I came up with. It was we were we were talking one day and Pastor George says, hey, Kevin, you ever thought about doing a junior high ministry? I said, yes, sir. And he said, well, uh, here's what I'd like it to be. And I'm OK, you got it. So we started a complete 180 junior high ministry just because my senior pastor asked me to. And I think I think what God's most in what God's most looking for is just people that are. I know it sounds religious cliche, but just people that are are available. And I think it's better to start, start moving in a certain direction. And what I found is if I put my head down and I'm faithful with what God's given me, no matter what it is, how big or how small, as I'm doing that, I will meet the right person at the right time. And then the next assignment comes up and then the next assignment comes. But if I sit around like a lot of 20 year old, 22 year olds do today is downstairs in grandma's basement playing you know, Xbox Live and wondering what am I going to do with the rest of my life? You ain't going to find it now in the basement playing video games. You're going to find it by rolling up your sleeves and serving. And so for me, whether I'm 41 or, or 51 is, is God, what is it that you would have me do? Now at 41, I actually feel like that I have found my assignment for life. Launch churches, train leaders, send shepherds. But I'm still open to what does that look like? But I'm going to put my head down and do what he, do what he, do what he told me to do as of now. And if I do that, the next thing will come on its own. Man, that's really good. And I, I want to say at the beginning of this, you said there's a book you've read that talks about the next big idea is the one that's right in front of you. I want to say that was from Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Um, and the fascinating thing about that book is that all 13 principles in that book, they're all scriptural. Uh, it's a great book to read, folks. Yeah. Feel free to get that. We'll reference that in the show notes. And then also one thing you were saying right there is just tackle what's right there in front of you. Uh, Craig Rochelle was just talking about that in one of his weekend messages in his series, I Choose. And, and the whole premise was, I'm going to choose purpose over popularity. And it, it just ties beautifully into what you're talking about. We'll reference that also in the show notes. Uh, man, that's some really good stuff, awesome. especially considering this was completely off script. Uh, hey, one thing I want to <laughs> jump in on here with, uh, with what you were saying is that you feel like your mission is to plant churches, train leaders, and send shepherds. Uh, and to tag onto yeah. that, send shepherds out to pastor churches. Um, help me understand yeah. the difference between the planting churches and sending shepherds. What, what's the difference there? Well, I think what, what, what our goal is, I think this should be the goal of every church. The goal of every church is to make disciples, making disciples is as we're reaching people with the gospel and they, you know, Billy comes to the church, he gives his heart to Jesus. Next thing you know, he, he starts, you know, uh, serving somewhere. As he starts serving somewhere, certain skill sets start to show up in his life. And it's my job as a senior pastor and as our senior leadership team to begin to see the skill sets and callings and giftings that God has placed in, in people's hearts. And then it's our job then to train them up and to pull, to pull that skill set up to the forefront. And that as we're serving alongside of people, there's going to be some people that's like, man, they are going to be a great children's worker, or they're going to be a great greeter at the door. They're going to be a great office management person. But there's going to be other people that, man, this person is a shepherd. They're a shepherd. And what I've seen through the years is, is I don't want to be the kind of guy that, hey, 
if you want to be with me, I've got this position and this is the only thing you can do. Well, that's going to hinder them and it's also going to hinder the kingdom. I think the best thing to do is, is I have somebody, one of my sheep, that is is someone who's strong in the Lord. They've got a call of God on their life. I want to I want to hone that gifting where we are, train them up, and then let's send them out to pastor a church. Now, I would prefer they go out and pastor one of our eventual campuses. Right now, we only have one, but we're going to have multiple in Jesus' name. But I would prefer they go out and, if it's a fit, they go out and pastor one of our campuses. But it might also be we're going to send them out to go pastor at another body. I'm fine either way, but my job as a senior pastor is to cultivate a church that makes disciples of Jesus, that make more disciples. And some people are going to do that, uh, serving in different capacities in the church and through the church, but some people are called to lead the church. And I think it's our job as senior leaders and leadership team to find out who those people are and then cultivate that gifting in them and don't hoard it for our own, our own kingdom, but send them out for God's kingdom. So that's where this idea of sending a shepherd, because there's 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 workers and there's there's helpers and there's leaders and there's business people and then there are people that are called to be a shepherd and that's different than just in and not just in a bad way but that's different than someone else in another role but our job is to train find them train them and then don't keep them we want to send them I love that that heart is incredible uh and let's 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 jump on the uh the training leaders aspect here just a little bit uh one, I love a yeah. quote that you threw out on Twitter. Uh, you said, never, never try to do anything on your own. Every, everyone who has accomplished anything had great partners. Why is training up leaders yeah. such a big deal for you? Oh, well, it's because of that. Nothing great is ever done alone. I mean, even, I guess even a Lone Ranger had Tonto. I mean, <laughs> everybody's got somebody. You know, a couple slogans I live my life by is dream big, then get up off the couch. And because nothing ever big's ever thought, but just just thought of, you got to start doing it. But then when you get up off the couch, if you want to do something that's going to last, you're going to have to have a partner. And Jesus, when he wanted to make a difference, a lasting difference in the history of humanity, he went out and not only began to teach the kingdom himself, but he began to go out and recruit partners to come alongside of him because he knew that eventually he's going to move on and these people are going to stay. And I think that's how it is. You know, whether you're raising a family or whether you're running a business or whether you're planting a church is you've got to look for like minded people to come alongside of you that are able to run with the ball long after you're gone uh, or maybe even run with the ball better than you can and give them the ball to run with. And because mm-hmm. if not, nothing great's ever going to be done. And, and I, uh, too many times, I think we, especially in ministry, we like being the hero. We want our name to be on the front, uh, you know, on, on, on the keyboard and stuff. And um when, when that happens, you know, I read in the book somewhere that pride comes before fall. I think it's best <laughs> to be humble, to be humble and be hardworking and be looking for someone that you can partner along with and use their skill sets for the kingdom, use their skill sets in a way that they find their place. And then also you're going to be able to accomplish your goal. And I think especially in church planting, if you want to go this thing road and do it on your own, um, get ready for failure or get ready for mediocrity. <laughs> it ain't going to work. You've yeah. got you have got to partner with, with great people. Man, that's fantastic. Well, hey, let's let's kind of pull back the curtain here a little bit on church planning. Um, so yeah. you moved you moved from Tulsa out to, uh, is it, you pronounced it earlier, is it Visalia? Visalia. Visalia, yeah. Okay. Um, and you decided to plant this church out, out in California. Um, 
what's you get there? Did you know people in Visalia? No, no, we, we actually, we moved from church on the move to serve at a church in Visalia as a youth pastor. We didn't know anybody at all. God just opened the door for us to move. When we did, we thought when, before we did, we prayed it through and knew this is where God wanted us to come. Uh, we signed on as youth pastors, loved it. It's a great church. About a year in is whenever the notebook phone thing began to happen. And about a year into it, my wife and I both we began to realize, I don't think God called us to California to, to be a youth pastor. I think the bigger picture is we're supposed to plant a church. And so we started to, at that time, one of them's passed away. But at that time, I had four main mentors in my life. So I started to talk to my mentors. Uh, we prayed and fasted for about nine months, just seeking God. What would you have us do? All the while working as hard, working 100% for our church. Then once we knew God was calling us to plant and even kind of where we thought he wanted us to plant, which is in this area, the same area where I was a youth guy, is we met and talked with my senior pastor, opened up, hey, this is what I've been thinking. This is what I feel like God's called me to do. Um, I know God's called us to do it. And, and he's like, hey, I, I see God's called you to do it as well. I give him my word. I'm not going to take anybody from the church. I don't want anybody from the church. And whenever I leave, I give you my word. I'm not, I'm not recruiting people from the church there. We want to go reach a different group of people than what this church is reaching. And uh, so we did. We planted. Uh, we don't recruit people from any other church, but we didn't recruit people from that church. That church is growing. They're going through a building program. God's blessing them. And our church in Visalia has gone from zero to well over 300 in three years. And so wow. the kingdom's benefited. But but we didn't know anybody But I when we came. But I think it's very important to note, too, that Whenever you're going to plant, you've got to plant where God's called you to. But if it's in the same area that that you're thinking of, you've got to be open, honest. Don't do anything under the radar. Don't do anything. Hide anything. Just, man, this is what we're thinking of doing. Get the approval uh, from your mentors. Get the approval from the team that you're currently serving in. And then go out and seek and save the lost. Too many guys that plant churches, they want to borrow and steal the found. And mm. Jesus said that he came, into the, he came into this earth to seek and save the lost. And so we don't want to borrow and steal the found. They've already found. They've already got a church. That's great. Praise the Lord. We want to seek and save the lost. And that's what we've been rolling up our sleeves doing here in Visalia. But no, to answer the question, no, we, did, we didn't know anybody when we moved here at all. Wow. Uh, so so let's, let's talk about a little bit here the transition of going from youth pastor, which is what you had done basically your entire career up yeah. until this point, Yeah. Uh, for going from youth pastor to senior pastor— what were some, was first off was there any fear might be the wrong word but hesitation in making the switch no no because i i knew this wasn't anything that we did you know just kind of off the cuff you know sure. i know that god's voice and i know he spoke to us and then not only did my wife and family talk but i talked to four guys that i have been my mentors for years and they were all like man you're crazy if you don't. You're disobeying God if you don't. Wow. And so I had a lot of a lot of calling in my life. I had a lot of uh, security in the calling that God had given us. So there wasn't any fear or trepidation in our hearts of doing it. We knew we were supposed to do it, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily easy. Yeah. But uh, no, there there wasn't any fear at all. Gotcha. So what what would you say has been maybe one or two of the biggest challenges or unexpected things in going from? youth pastor where you're serving another man's vision to senior pastor where it's the vision that yeah. God has given you. Yeah. Well, I, I, tell, I tell people all the time, 
Um, I don't know if you've seen me lately, Jared, but dude, I'm like bald. And the reason I'm bald is I planted a church. So, um, planting a church was one of the best decisions I've ever made other than accepting Jesus and marrying my wife. Um, planting a church is one of the best decisions I've ever made, but also it's, it's, it's one of the toughest and it might be the toughest. And, and, and what's, what's made it tough isn't from going from youth guy to the senior, what, what's made, it is that a little bit. What's, what's made it tough for me personally is, is the burden, the burden that I feel for people. And then also the buck actually stopping with me literally. And then the third one is, is not having a safety net. I mean, as a youth guy through the years, I mean, I've got a leadership team around me. There's also, there's a monthly budget that's been allotted, whether it's big or small, depending on the church. So as a youth guy, if you're not doing well or something you make, you do an outreach event that doesn't work well, well, you still got the leadership team around you and you still have the next month's budgets coming in. As a church planner, there's no safety net. Mm -hmm. If you don't do things right, leadership leaves. If you don't do things right and you lose money, you may have to close the doors next month. So that, that's been the, the thing is, is the burden for people, the buck actually stopping from at me, and then also knowing there, there's no safety net around here. So because of that, uh, I've had to, and I've done this, I feel like fairly well, is I'm making sure to create margin in my schedule so that I'm able to grow personally, so that I'm able to mm. carry the weight and the burden without being crushed, so that I'm able to, to hone my skill sets financially, hone my skill sets in hearing from God, hone, hone my skill sets on casting vision. And so the difficulties that I've had, or the, the, the not so much difficulties, but the tension and the pressures of the burden of the, the, the weight of, of everything sitting somewhat on, on your shoulders as a church planters and not having a safety net, how I've battled that, not just through prayer and reading, of, of course, that's for sure, but it's really creating margin in my schedule to where I'm consistently trying to grow in areas of my life. So I'm able to be the leader God needs me to be, because if not, I won't be able to carry the burden. I won't be able to cast the vision. We won't have the finances we need and we close the doors. So the way that I've gone through the difficult transitions is to make sure that I'm, I'm growing personally, uh, not just in my walk with Christ, but under the umbrella of that is, is growing as a leader, as a business person, as a vision caster. Wow. I love that. That's incredible. Creating margin to grow personally. It's so, so good. So much richness there. Um, well, okay. So you, you, you leave the church you're at there in Visalia to go plant the church with your pastor's blessing, with your mentor's blessing, with your family's blessing. Now what? <laughs> what's, what's step one? And I know this is kind of a, this is a loaded question, but what, what is the first step yeah. you take in planning a church? Do you find a building? Do you start meeting people? What's, what's step one yeah. for you? Well, I think the biggest mistake guys would make is be go out and find a facility or a building. I think the building is the least of the concerns. The biggest thing is, is you gotta, you've gotta wrestle. I mean, really wrestle with Now We've been wrestling with this before we began to plant, but, um, is you've got to begin to wrestle with what's the mission, what's the vision, you know, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? And then what are your values? And you've got to get your vision, mission and values in place. Then out of that, then you start building a body and you start building a body of believers that you can lean on. And then out of that body, there starts to be some form of, of a team that's made, you know, one person's the arm, one person's the leg, one person's doing follow-up, one person's doing, 
you know, for us, it was media, other person's doing, you know, worship. And so you start to get assimilation of a body and then you, you build a body of believers. And then once you get enough inertia going with the vision and, and, and enough forward movement going with the body, now you got to start looking for a place to start meeting. So for us, what we did was, is we started doing uh, once a month gatherings at the house. We call them Sunday nights at the house. And we did one in June. We did one in July. We did one in August. Actually, in August, we rented a place because we had outgrown our, our place. And so, but th- that was the idea is build a body of believers off of the vision, mission, and values of the church. And then um, in between our our spots, we didn't have a place to meet, but we did have uh, access to some video equipment that one of our guys had. And so we started to do um, messages online and we would do online. We did an online teaching series for those who had came to the to the Sunday night at the house is you can watch every single week for the next four weeks and you can share it with your friends as well. This wow. video series, we called it the big four. Um, and it was all in family and friends and faith and finances. And it was four messages that were about 15 minutes long, me in a little makeshift studio. And, um, people watched those in between the gatherings and they sent them out to their friends. And then we did a gathering. Then they watched some in between the gatherings and then we did a gathering. And by then we're three months in, uh, to, to this process. And we were ready to, uh, start finding the location so we started meeting in the convention center here in town um but yeah so the first thing is mission vision and values and then after that you start building the body and then once you get the body the body will start building will start dictating what sort of building you need but the biggest mistake got one one of the mistakes guys make is i need a cool venue no you you need to know why you're planting the church get that stuff figured out first and then people will be attracted to that man that's good uh, you know, a couple episodes ago, uh, episode 35, we talked with Brad Cooper, and he talked some about mission, yeah. mission, vision, and values. Um, I'd like you, if you could, just kind of a, a snapshot of what each of those are for you and, and kind of the difference yeah. between them. Yeah, well, for me, and again, I'm, I might get them mixed up. I, I'm, I'm from Indiana, so I get things <laughs> mixed up a lot. But is, is the, mission, the mission is, is why are you doing it? You know, what, what's, what's the purpose behind this? And for us, our mission, our way of saying the Great Commission is to uh, bring people to Jesus and help them live like him. Mm. That's, that's, that, that, that's what we're, we're going to bring people to Jesus. That's evangelism. And we're going to help them live like him. That's discipleship. So we're, we're trying to make disciples by doing evangelism and then roll our sleeves up and live life with people. So, but that's, that's our mission. Now, our vision is how we walk that out. And how we walk it out here at the church is in four simple ways. It's, it's our four departments that we have at the church is what is a disciple? Well, to me, a disciple is someone who, who loves Jesus and serves Jesus. So that's great. But what does that look like? Well, someone who's a disciple, then they gather on the weekend. They're someone who's a disciple is growing in a group. Someone who's a disciple gives financially to God's kingdom. And someone who's a disciple, man, they serve. They go back out into their world. And so for us, that's what a disciple is. We're trying to make someone who gathers on the weekend, grows in a group, gives to God's kingdom, and goes back into the world. And so if that's the case, then our vision is those four things. We're going to gather on the weekend. We have teams that do that. We have, we're going to grow in groups. We have teams that do that. We're going to give to his finances. We have a team that helps people give to, their, give to God's kingdom financially. And then we have a fourth team, and that's our service teams, people who help people go back and begin to serve at the church and through the church. So mission is why we're doing it. Vision is how we're doing it. 
and our values are the things that hold us together while we're walking out, you know, growing, you know, gathering, giving and going. And so for us, those, it's nothing, this isn't rocket science, but for us, it's the authority of God. God's word is God's word. We are, we believe it. We read it. We study it. We live it. Um, prayer. It's not by might nor by power, but God's by God's spirit giving. You can't miss it. If God doesn't have our heart, then uh, he doesn't have anything. And one of the biggest gauges of our heart is our finances. Uh, unity, we got to do things together. If we're not in unity, we can't walk together. And then another slogan that we just kind of live by here a lot is uh, he's just getting started. Is man, we're, we're just starting. We're No matter how big it is, we're just starting. And so for me, that's mission, wh- why we're doing it. Uh, vision is, is, is how we're doing it. And then the, the values are the things that, the glue that kind of holds this thing together during the, the, the ebbs and flows of life. These are the, our values that we keep resting in on that, that kind of keep us in line. That's fantastic. I love the simplicity. I, I really do. I feel like uh, too often now <laughs> missions are getting over convoluted and just keep it at the <laughs> basics. It's the, it is the great commission. That's yes. what the church is called to do. We are called to reach people. Yeah. It, and if we get, we, sometimes we can let the tail wag the dog and we get, yeah. you know, we get so into like gathering on the weekend that we get distracted by, you know, it's, it, it's, it's super, you know, maybe it's super deep or it's super creative or we've got great follow-up. We've got all this great stuff, but okay, people are coming, but are they growing? Right. And it's very easy to get sidetracked in ministry. And we, we sure have for sure. In, in these past three years, we have to keep going back to our mission and vision of, of why we do what we do. Man, that's really good. That's really good. I love that statement of people are coming, but are they growing? That's that's yeah. fantastic. Um, jump to ju- just jump back just a little bit. When you launched your church, did you guys go through any organizations to do this, or did you did you go at it alone? We 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 kind of went at it alone. We didn't go through Arc. Uh, I, I really like Matt Chandler of Acts twenty nine, but I'm not a Calvinist. So, you know, I didn't go through Acts 29. I, I didn't go through ARC. Uh, this was another confirmation for us. I won't give the organization or the church, but as I was praying and thinking through this idea of planting a church, all of a sudden I get an email from uh, a, a mentor of mine, a long-distance mentor of mine, saying, hey, what's God putting in your heart, man? I don't know why, but I got you in my heart. Like, let's talk. And so he calls me on the phone and says, what's he wanting you to do, bud? And I said, I think I'm supposed to plant a church. I start laying it out and he says, well, we want to help you. And I go, okay, well, thank you, sir. And he's like, no, 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 Kevin, we want to help you. I don't know what it looks like, but we're going to financially back you a little bit. And so I'm like, holy crap, this is crazy. You know, cause we didn't ask for it. We, you know, we didn't, you know, you know, manipulate for it. This is an out of the blue email, out of the blue phone call. And so we had a church that for the first year uh, gave us a little bit of money every month and also helped with my salary, a portion of my salary. And so that was able to get my own family taken care of and then also give us a little bit of seed money every month uh, to actually start to, you know, rent the facility at the convention center and the different things that we needed to do. So, no, we didn't go through an organization, but we went through there was a church that came alongside of us and said, we believe in you and we, we'd like to sow into you in your future. So, Man, that's amazing. What is what's something that you have? You have made it a point of, because one thing I hear a lot in church planning is don't do it alone. And I'm not necessarily talking about going through an organization, 
but just that statement of don't go yeah. at it alone. What are some of the things that you've done to make sure that you keep yourself surrounded with people? Because from everything I hear, planning a church can be one of the most lonely things, uh, if yeah. not done right. And so what, what, what are some really like pragmatic, practical things that you have done to make sure that you stay surrounded with people so that you're not going out of the loan? Yeah. Well, number one is make sure we've made sure that we have the right team members around us. Guys that guys and gals that I know love Jesus, love the church, uh, love me in that order. They're not out of whack in their order. It's it's Jesus, then the kingdom, then, then me as their leader surround myself with great people on the team. Um, and then, then is I, I do, I have, I have mentors in my life that I, uh, have God's brought some into my life. And then also I've aggressively sought them. And so on a regular basis, in fact, I had a contact today with one of my mentors and then I had a phone call yesterday with two of them. And so I'm consistently probably once a month, I'm in contact with all of them, but probably phone call wise, I'm at least once a month, every six weeks, I'm on the phone with one of these guys, they don't live around here, but I'm constantly getting wisdom and guidance, them holding me accountable. A couple of them for sure will say, dude, you're a moron. What are you thinking? And I, and I need that. And, but the big thing on that is, is I've been very careful on who my quote unquote mentors are that I allowed to speak into my life. Because what happens many times is when you start to look for, to try and not be lonely anymore, if that's the thing, I just got to not be lonely. What you're going to do is, is you're going to find somebody who is your peer and they're a great guy. They may be better in some instances, but what that becomes, what I found is a lot of times if I'm contacting and other guys are contacting me, quite honestly, and I don't mean to be crude, but it can become a peeing contest with every phone call. Uh, is and it's it, people people kind of digging in. How many are you running? What's your monthly budget? And it's more of a a phone call. People trying to figure out where they are on the totem pole of church planting, yeah. rather than man, I love you. I, I, if you quit tomorrow, I still love you and we're still friends. And I love you enough to, to call you, to call, to call you whenever you're messing up. And I love you enough to congratulate you when you're doing well, but I don't love you because you're successful. And I don't love you because I'm better than you. I just love you, man. And I've got four or five guys in my life that are that way. And I consistently call them on the phone. Now, I'll say this, you're spot on planting a church, especially when you're non-denominational independent, like we are, it can be extremely lonely. I've got some guys in my life and I, there's been times I've never been this lonely ever. And you, 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 it's just different. It's a different level being the number one guy. And you've got to have good, strong mentors in your life. The second thing that I've done is I have guys that speak into my life every single month that I'm great friends with, but they don't know who in the world I am. Craig Rochelle and I, but we're close. I'm very close with Rick Warren. I'm very close with uh, um, Andy Stanley. I I'm very close with all these guys. Now, they don't know me. I, I shook Rick Warren's hand once and got a selfie. That's about it. But these guys don't know me. But I, I search through YouTube. I, I search through podcasts. And I find titles to feed myself off of these guys that are my long-distance, non-relational mentors. And I, to me, that counts. That counts just as much as Craig Rochelle getting on the phone and calling me, which he's never going to do. But he doesn't need to. He can talk to me through his monthly podcast. Man, that's that's some really good stuff. How these couple of things you just talked about having the the, the actual people mentors that it, that is a two way conversation and the ones that you just listen to. I, I'm the same way. I have a, a list of podcasts and different things like that. 
What? Uh, how big of a role have these tips you were just giving right here? How big of a role have these played in the health of you as well as your church? Huge. These the four men, the four mentors. You know, uh, one unfortunately is, has passed away and is in heaven now, so I can no longer talk to him. But um, these four guys through the years have crafted who I am. They, when I think about the Church of Visalia and what we do and how we think, a lot of it comes from these gentlemen. And um, so, you know, just through the DNA that they've created in me, uh, it's made a huge difference in how we do church. Um, but then also on a weekly and monthly basis. I, you know, especially one guy, um, his name's Shane, Shane Duffy from New Spring Church. He's a great guy, one of my best friends. And Shane's a guy that if I'm down, I call because I know Shane's going to go right to the word. He's going to call me a wussy if he needs to <laughs> and say, buck up, grow up, get going. You're tough. You're the man. You can do this. And I need that. So that helps me stay healthy. That helps me stay propped up as a leader. And so these guys have helped me in DNA and they've also helped me when I'm down, I call them and I talk to them about things that I can't talk to other church members about or team members about. And they really, really help me as a leader because if I'm healthy as a senior pastor, that health's going to trickle down into my church. But if I'm unhealthy, if, if I'm worn out, if I'm tired, if I'm down, if I'm stressed, if I'm unhealthy, there's no way a healthy organization of a church can come out of a health unhealthy leader. And so these guys help me stay healthy. And so without these guys, um, I, I, there's no way I could do what I do. There's no way without them. And even with them, I'm telling I mean, you're, you're right on. Even with them, it's still, man, lonely sometimes and tough sometimes. It's not like it's rainbows and unicorns all the time. Cause I got four guys I can call, but you, they, they really do assist and help and, 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 and somebody that I can lean on. So the the title of this podcast is the good, the bad, and the ugly of church planting. Uh, and so let's let's jump in here on what what would you say has been? I'm sure there's many things that can be pointed at because, uh, like you said earlier, the buck stops with you in the context that you're in now, as opposed to just being a or not just being, but being a youth pastor. Um, what has been the the biggest challenge in church planting and becoming a senior pastor? Biggest challenge by far, if I'm going to be completely honest, is learning to balance uh, marriage, family, along with ministry. Mm. Um, I, I felt like after 25 years of being a youth guy, you know, sometimes volunteer, sometimes full time, that I had kind of not mastered that art, but our, our family's healthy and our family's healthy now. My marriage is healthy. It's always been healthy. We've never gone through big bumps or anything at all. Um, but just being honest, that's been one of the big challenges is. I feel like I've done well through the years, but once once I became a senior pastor and the weight shifted, and I'm not just now worrying about the youth ministry, I've got the weight of the youth ministry, the kids ministry, the budget, the leadership, the ownership, the membership of the church, the, the facility, all of these things, especially when a church planter, it's basically you and some volunteers around you when you start. That weight, um, it shifted my focus internally a little bit to where I, I looked about a year into it and I'm thinking, man, I'm not. I'm not shepherding my family like I used to and from my heart, you know, and things like my phone was on all the time into the night and I had access to people had access to me all the way through, through cell phone time. I would take my day off for sure. But even on my day off, my wife knows me and my mind's still thinking about 
some issue we're having with a person at the church or something. And I just started to be honest with myself and say, man, I'm not, I'm not balancing this properly. And the church is going to come and go, but my family is what God's given me to shepherd. And so we just put some things in place. Like, man, by seven o'clock at night, I got my cell phone up and my wife holds me accountable to that. Um, and I, I do pretty good at it. I'm getting, I'm getting way better than what I used to. That's for sure. But I put my cell phone away. I always take my day off. When I take my day off, I take my day off, man. I'm, I'm done. I'm unplugged. I'm chilling. We take vacations. Uh, we just did, dude, I just did four weeks in a row, four Sundays in a row. I was completely away from the church. Wow. We did a, um, I, I spoke at a camp and then I, we did two weeks vacation. Then I spoke at a camp and we did a cross country drive as a family. I was away from the church for four weeks in a row. Our team ran the church and I was enjoying my family. And a lot of people might say, man, you, if you're gone for four weekends, your church is going to fold. That's not healthy. Well, here's my thing. If I don't take time off and consistently be with my family, um, my family's going to fold. And th- th- that, that's way more important than, than the church. And also the church can't be healthy if I'm not healthy. I can't be healthy if my family's not healthy. So I, I think I think that that's been one of my biggest challenges. And also in talking with other guys as they call or as I call them to pick their brain. If we're honest, one of the things that church planters are going to struggle with is the balance of, oh, my gosh, if I don't work really hard in the church, we can't pay our bills. We don't pay our bills. I don't get my salary. If I don't get my salary, I can't take care of my wife or take care of my kids. And that weight then shifts us to where times we should be just enjoying our children or being with our family or or date nights with our wife is we're there physically, but we're not there emotionally. And eventually that starts taking a, a, uh, a real toll on stuff. And so for me, that's been one of my biggest challenges is being honest about that and then fixing that. And, and, and I can say that, that we're, we're on a very, very, very strong uh, road right now. But that, that, that was a challenge. That's incredible. Uh, first off, I appreciate your transparency of, of sharing that struggle. But in addition, I think it's incredible that you were three years in, you were away from the church for a month straight. I, I, I don't know very yeah. many guys that would do that, or, or ladies for that matter, that would do that. Uh, that's incredible. I heard Rick Warren say one time that when, when he wrote Purpose Driven Life, he actually took six months off from the church to write that book. Yeah. And he said the church yeah. actually grew when he wasn't there. Um, and, yeah. and, and I think no, that's, that's true. I, I'm guessing this would go back to what you were talking with your uh, vision that God's given you for the rest of your life in training up leaders. Yeah, I mean, we we have got. In fact, it's really cool. My son Jordan, you know, he's um, we, we have four departments. One's gathered on the weekend. Jordan, Jordan leads up that gathering on the weekend. All the ministry teams, and so we we just met with him. We met with our ministry team leaders. We met with a bunch of other volunteers and core leaders. Let them know what we're going to do. Uh, here's where people can step up. People stepped up. Other people preached. I preached one week free of video. Man, it was great. It was great. It's in the summertime, so it didn't grow numerically. But man, it was strong services, great services. Bills were paid at the end of the month. Um, but it's because the church isn't Kevin Moore. The the church is the body of Christ stepping up and, and being the church. And that's what happened whenever I was gone for those four weeks, which then allowed me to come back refreshed and ready man, to hit the, hit the ground running because I, I, I've had time to relax. Man, that's really good. I hope, I hope the young leaders out there list, are listening are, are taking note of this uh, to actually apply this in their lives as well. Uh, what, what's something that looking back now, you're three years in, still, still a pretty young church, um, but what's something yeah. looking back that you would say, you know, 
not a regret, but more so if I could, I would do this one thing differently. Yeah. Um, I would say just being real honest again, which I always try and be, I don't want the Lord to strike me dead with a lightning bolt or something. <laughs> um, is, uh, is I, I, the one thing I wish I would do, I, I wish for the first year we did. And then the second year we got a little bit off mission. I, I wish we would have stayed focused more on the mission of bringing people to Jesus and helping living like him. That's our mission, making disciple, making disciples. And the thing of it is, is we never really dropped that. We never like took that away as our goal. But the truth of the matter is after about a year in, you know, we had some, you know, some different volunteers coming in and different team members coming in and, and then, okay, their skill sets, this, and their skill sets, that, and all right, we got church and we got worship and message and we did events and men's group and big Christmas outreaches and Easter services and a women's thing and a men's thing. And we're doing all of these things. But when I sit back and look over the course of that span, we put a lot of great things. But when I look at it, to be completely honest, we had a lot of crowds and we had a lot of conversions, but we didn't have near as many people as what I would have liked now looking back who decided to truly follow Jesus, come to the church, give their heart to Jesus, and then become a disciple, what happened was, is the course of three years, we've had a lot of people come in, come to the church, enjoy the services, maybe do a service project or two, but they haven't really became a disciple. And within a year or two, they're back to their old lifestyle and they're out of the church. And some of that's on them, of course. But then also when I look, if I got to look honestly as a pastor and say, but I think our focus as a church got off a little bit and we weren't talking about making disciples as much. We, we didn't do groups as strong as what we could have because we were doing other things. And so that's one thing I wish I would go back and do. If I could talk to Kevin when he first planted the churches, but after year one, you're going to see a lot of numerical growth. There's going to be some changes happen in the ministry that are good. Don't lose focus. Keep your head down. Make disciple making disciples. Everything you do does. Everything you do goes to that. Don't get off on sideways energy, and that that that's something I wish I would have done different. Is uh, stay more focused on the mission, the vision. And I'm sure this is something that you're not alone in. I think this is can be the propensity of any church or organization is to get off mission yeah. and to get kind of caught yeah. up in the things that draw a crowd or or, or kind of the shiny new thing, if you will. Uh, that they'll they mm-hmm. kind of sidestep to grab a hold of this when in reality. I love what you're saying, that staying on mission, we've got to stay on mission. That's what this is for. We've got to preach this. We've got to scream it from the mountaintops. This is what we do. This is what we're going to yeah. continue to do. That's beautiful. Um, you know, And be willing, in that, in that, be willing to say no, to say no to yes. people who have really good ideas, but they're not God ideas for your church. And be willing to let them not be a part of the church. If they feel like so strong that they want to do X, Y, and Z, but you're called to do A, B, and C, let them know there's a church down the road that does X, Y, and Z real well. You probably love it there. Yeah. And, and that's the, a hard thing to do for a church planner. <laughs> Believe me, that's a hard thing to do, brother. Totally. And I, I would even take that even a little bit of a step further. And I'm sure that can be so hard, but to realize that's not a bad thing. Like it's not a bad thing that they may not jive personality wise no. with your church. It's, it's a matter of keeping them connected to the kingdom of God, not necessarily your church. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that, that is, that's one thing I wish, I don't think we veered horribly wrong. But I, just being honest, that's something that, that we needed to do better. And, and the past six months, we've been really turning back to to the mission of the church. That's awesome. Uh, again, your transparency is 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 much appreciated here. So 
let's kind of flip that. So we talked about the, the thing you wish that you, you could do different. Um, what would you say looking back is, you know what, we've done this and I'm really proud of this. This has gone really well. Yeah. Is, is the, is, is this is, and I know it's going to sound, I don't know, it might sound crazy or whatever, but there, there's not like, oh, we did this event or that event or this event or that event or whatever. There's not so much of that. The thing that I w- I'm glad that we did in church planting is, is we built the church on, even though we did veer off on vision, we did build it on who we are, why we're here, where we're going. We built it on vision. We also build it on the word of God, on preaching that people can understand. And we build it on word of mouth of people. Mm. We didn't build it on large mail outs or spending a lot of money on marketing or, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys, when they plant a church, they feel like they got to spend 10 grand on a marketing campaign. I got to have worker t-shirts for everybody, lanyards for everybody, door sticker, you know, door window stickers, door things, all these things. What I've seen when talking with guys that plant a lot of that planted churches is, is that a lot of guys that do that, they do that and some have some success, but a lot of times what happens is, is you take the limited amount of funds that you have. $10,000 to a church planner is a lot of money. You could drop 10000 on a mailer without even trying. Yep. And so what we decided, because we did have limited funds, is what we decided to do is we don't have a lot of money, but what do we have? We've got vision and we've got a guy who can preach to where people understand. And we also have people, if we can get them excited about the church, they've got a mouth. So we've got those three things. We don't have money, but we've got those three. So let's build it on vision. Let's build it on preaching. Let's build it on word of mouth. And man, it, that's, that's worked. I mean, it's not like, you know, we're on the fastest growing list of, you know, whatever magazine. It's not yeah. that, but people have come to Jesus. We have seen uh, uh, success as far as different outreaches, and we haven't spent a lot of money. We've been good stewards. A good example is we did a Christmas outreach um, a couple years ago. And we decided that we're going to do radio spots, we're going to do flyers, and we're going to put on a banquet to cast vision to our church. We spent $1,500 total. $1,500. That's all we spent. Wow. And we had 1,200 show up. Wow. We had 1,200 at our Christmas event, and we spent $1,500 on radio, flyers, and a banquet. And the best money we spent was the banquet and the flyers. Because our people were stoked about what the why we're doing the Christmas event. They went out and invited every single person they knew. And man, it was incredible. It was a great, it was a great Christmas event. We had twelve hundred people show up, but we didn't spend a lot of money. And that that's one thing, excuse me, that's one thing that I'm 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 glad that we did is we we kept it on vision, we kept it on preaching the word, and we kept it on word of mouth rather than flash and glamour. Because what you'll find when you plant a church. Planting a church, it looks glamorous on Twitter. It looks glamorous online. And the, all those other things are nice and glamorous. But for church planting, it's not glamorous. It's guts. It's gutsy. You got to roll your sleeves up. You got to be entrepreneurial. You, you, you got to build on things that are going to last. And vision, the word of God, of course, and word of mouth, I think are things that are a little bit more long lasting and also going to see, I think we've seen anyway, uh, better results than, um, emptying our bank account for um, mail outs that people might just throw away. Man, that's so good. Just cast the vision. Utilize the best marketing yeah. tool you have, which is, like you said, it's word of mouth. It's going gonna, it's gonna to trump everything. That's so good. Yeah. 
Uh, you, people to, to jump back to um, one of the one of your visions for your life is training up leaders. One thing I think is really cool, and and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong. I know your oldest son Jordan is involved with the church, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then is Logan as well. Well, yeah, just not them, man. This is the whole family. Um, <laughs> uh, Jordan, Jordan uh, is he's married, and they have a little baby on the way. Uh, he's over over our gathering on the weekend. He oversees our host teams, worship teams, service teams, kids teams. There's teams of people and leaders that are under him, but he's my go-to guy to make sure these things get done. He's killing it, crushing it. He's he's such a blessing to me. Logan's the same way. Logan is 21 years old. And he not only attends the church, he doesn't serve in like one ministry all the time. He kind of jumps into this ministry for a while, helps out on this project. He's pretty entrepreneurial as far as, all right, I'm going to help out for these three weeks and then jump back out, help out for youth for a couple events. And jump. But he's 100% in. And then there's Michaela. Um, Michaela works with kids ministry. She's 16. She works with kids ministry, also with worship. And then my daughter, Lily's nine, and she goes to all the services. She's always wanting to meet afterward and talk about what went well with kids and what didn't. <laughs> and uh, I, honestly, man, I think it's a testament to my wife, Veronica. We've homeschooled our kids through the years uh, off and on. Also, the schools that they've been involved in. We were part of Church on the Move, who was part of Lincoln Christian, who has Lincoln Christian School. So it's a testament to her. It's a testament to the school that the kids were in for a season. And a big one, too, is the churches, Trinity Assembly. And church on the move. I mean, um, you know, I, I I think Roman, one of your counterparts there, and I know one of your friends at, at the church when he, when I was at 180. I mean, Roman was leading our 180 junior high program. My son Logan was in it, wow. and he loves church because of the things that Logan, because of the things that Roman did. You had a huge impact working at 180 Air Force, uh, the varsity ministry, working with Jordan under you, working beside Jordan from time to time. But you had a big impact with the things that you were doing at church on the move as well. And then, you know, the guys at kids on the move with Michaela and, and the, and, and the little, the little guys and gals with, with Lily church on the move and Trinity assembly, these churches, and then specifically you guys, seriously, you're one of the big reasons why I can do a team meeting. and have got my kids sitting there with me. It's because churches have raised up young leaders to impact my kids. And so for sincerely, man, uh, thank you, bud. And, and Roman as well for, for making for making a big impact in in the in the my kids because it's 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 winning people to Jesus in California. Man, wow, wasn't expecting that, but uh, man, holy cow, what an honor! Um, I just think it's so cool to see your whole family involved in the ministry. Um, is that something you set out early on that you wanted your family to for ba- basically for this to be the family business, if you will? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I've I've never talked to any of my kids as far as like trying to recruit them none of them, none of them, you know, and Jordan came to me a long time ago. He was at another church serving and said, dad, when you plant, I feel like God's calling me to come. I said, all right, cool, man. He left a good paying, he left a good paying gig in a great church in Southern California as the worship pastor to come help me plant for a, a few pennies a month. And wow. but he did it because God called him to do, it. I never talked to him about, Hey, why don't you come, you know, and, and Logan, you know, Logan is at the church. He helps with the church, but I haven't, I haven't, I haven't gone to Logan and say, Hey buddy, here's, here's some things that you've got to do. That's not the case at all. He's, he's trying to figure out who he is and what God's called him to do in his life. And I say yes and amen to all of it. Same thing with Michaela. So no, we never, we never did any of that. What we did is, is we just had them with us. You know, we go on a youth trip and you go on a canoe trip or something. We're going to take the kids with us, go to amusement park, take the kids with us. 
you know, at 180, whenever I was there, we do pre-service dinners and Veronica would bring the kids up and we all eat together as a family and eat together with the team. And our kids just got used to church. Isn't something that daddy does for work. Church is something that we do as a family. This is who we are. And so as they've grown up through the years, it's not been that they're bitter about the church or bitter because daddy's always gone. It's they're with daddy when they're helping. And so now as young teenagers and now young adults and adults, they have a passion for the church. They don't feel bitter towards it because they've never lost me because of ministry. They've gained ministry because of their dad. And so um, I, I think that's played a part. But no, we've never, we've never, you know, had those conversations at all, actually. Well, I know we're, I know we're running out of time here. I've got two more questions I'd like to get to. Uh, and the first one is someone, yeah. someone out there that's listening right now, they may be a year in, two years, three, four, five, six, however long. They're in, they're in the similar situation to you. They've planted a church um, and just in the thick of it right now, but just extreme, extremely discouraged. Uh, what would you mm-hmm. say to them? I would say the rest on the fact that God called you and God doesn't make a mistake. So if God called you to plant this church and if God called you to plant it where he told you where you're planted, then you've got to stand on his promises. The Bible says, we all know this, we've all preached it, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. A lot of times in church planning, you're going to go back to your own understanding and what you think and what opinion you have from a book. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, in your ministry, in your family, in your finances, in the, the ministries you're going to start and the ministries you're going to cut, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And God will direct your path, not only in your family, but also in this, church planting endeavor because it's his church, it's his call, and he didn't make a mistake and he called you. So you've got to stand on those promises, even when times get tough. And then the second thing I'd say to hopefully encourage people is, um, is listen, success and failure, what is successful to one person is a failure to another. And what's a failure to one person is a success to somebody else. So don't let success and failure be gauged by something you see online or by butts in the seats or bucks in the bank. Let it be gauged by what has God called me to do? And then roll your sleeves up and do it. But don't, you got to get away. And it's so hard as a church planter, but it's been ministry. We got to get away from the comparison game. We're not this other person. We are who God's called us to be. And I heard an illustration one time that that one person, there was a guy who had two kids, one child as a teenager, and she had the star role in a play. He also had a son who had one line in another play. And when he went to see, when he went to see both of their plays, the question is, which one did he cheer for the most? Well, he cheered for them both the same. It's just that one had a bunch of lines and one had one line, but they were both his children and they both had a role to play in the drama. And it's the exact same way in pastoring. One guy may be led to have 5,000 people in his church, and another guy may lead a church of 100 his entire ministry career. God is happy with both. He wants us to do the best we can with the lines we've been given in the script that he wants us to, to, to play out. And I know it's tough because we want to compare ourselves to other people, but you got to stop the comparison game. Do what God's called you to do. Rest on his calling. Trust in him, not your own game plan. And then let him guide it. Let him guide it. So I, I don't know if that helps or not, but hopefully it does. I'm confident that was for someone that's listening right now. I, I really am. Uh, and this may be a similar answer, but this is to the person that maybe is considering planting a church. They're starting to feel that tug of God drawing them out yeah. to go plant their own church, to take that step that could seem like it's jumping across the Grand Canyon. 
what what it, it may be the same advice you just gave, but what what would you say to this person? Oh, I say I would say three things real quick. Number one is, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but it's just the truth: is if you are considering planting a church, here's the thing: if you can do anything else and be content, then don't plant the church. Mm-hmm. If you can start a business, if you can work at a store, if you can do X, Y, and Z and still be like, I've got a good life. God loves me. Life is good. If you can do anything else and be content, then go do it. Don't plant the church because plant the, 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 the call of planting the church is such that I can't, listen, I tried to, I, I tried to just bury my head and keep doing youth ministry. I couldn't do it. I couldn't shake it is I can't just go through life and not do this. I've got to at least try. And if, if you can be content doing something else, to me, that's kind of a sign of, I don't know that you're called to plant a church. So if you can do something else and be content, go do it. Go do what God's wanting you to do in another area. But if you can't, roll your sleeves up and plant the church. If you decide to plant the church, the second piece of advice and wisdom I'd give you is you got to go into it knowing that you are, you are not the next great thing. And that is so hard to hear, but it is a gospel truth. Too many church planters go into church planting with what I call the, the, AA bas- the, the AAU basketball mentality. Every AAU basketball player in America thinks they're going to either be LeBron James or they're <laughs> going to get a Division One, or, or they're going to get a Division One scholarship. I mean, that's what everybody thinks that plays AAU ball, but that's not the truth. The truth of the matter is they're probably going to have a really good high school career, and if they're really, really blessed, they'll play small college ball somewhere. That's what's going to happen. And in church planting, what happens is, is we think we're going to plant the church. Our church is going to grow like crazy. Stephen Furtick is going to call us on the phone. Christianity Today is going to say, can we do an article on you? None of that's going to happen. You're not the next great thing. What's going to happen is, is you're going to pass, you're going to be a great pastor at a great church and make a big difference. And if, if that's not good enough, if making a big difference in the lives of people isn't good enough, then I, I would check motives because you're not the next great thing. It, you're not Judah Smith. You, you, you're not Stephen Furtick. You're not. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. That That's that's just going to happen. You're going to be a great pastor, a great church, in a great community that desperately needs you. And the last thing I'd say is, um, is you will fail a lot. You'll fail a lot. Um, you're going to do an event that doesn't work. You're going to do a fundraiser that you lose money on. Um, you're going to uh, hire a person and they don't work out. You're going to recruit a volunteer who doesn't do things they should. You're going to fail. And the slogan you got to have in, in church planting is, sometimes I fail, sometimes I succeed, but I'm never going to quit. I, I'm never quitting. Is Sometimes I fail, sometimes I succeed. Sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not. Sometimes I'm going to do a service and there's going to be you know, 60 people in the room. Sometimes I'll do a service, there'll be a, a thousand people in the room. Uh, sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. But I, I, this is what God's called me to do, and, I, and I'm not going to quit. He, he'll, he'll decide what, the, what those things are. I'm just going to do what he's told me to do. And I, that would be my word of wisdom. If you can do something else, go do it. You're not the next great thing. Stephen Furtick doesn't have you on the speed dial. It ain't happening. <laughs> you're, you're going to fail, and you're going to fail a lot. But that's okay. Sometimes you fail, sometimes you, you succeed, but don't just don't ever quit. Say yes to the concept and give your life to it. So, Take note, people. This is some beautiful stuff right here. Pastor Kevin, uh, before we go, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to go about it? 
Yeah, best way to go about it would be my email is growmore at gmail.com. It's G-R-O-W-M-O-O-R-E at gmail.com. And I have a website called growmore.org, growmore.org. And there's blogs and resources and all kinds of stuff there to help people out. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, man. Thanks, bud. It's been an absolute honor, man. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for listening to the Creative Sheep Podcast. Hey, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that in a couple of different ways. Uh, We're on social media. uh, We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at creative underscore sheep. You can also drop us some electronic mail. Jared, what's the address they should send an email to? Jared at creativesheep.org. Again, that's Jared at creativesheep.org. Definitely. Hey, uh, thanks so much for listening. We're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Jared, do you have any final thoughts? No. Okay. (laughs) Well, until next time. I'm Roman. And I'm Jared. Peace out.